The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of the Heat Check, I explain why as a Portland Trailblazer fan, we have basically put Damian Lillard, we've got golden handcuffs on him for the rest of his natural life. He's probably going to get a gravestone in Portland, why I'm so excited. I'm going to explain to you all the 30 reasons why. We're also going to get into the new rule changes and the rule, new ball, how that uh, changes the complexion of the NBA and why it's actually not so fun and how it's affecting shooters league-wide. So do me a favor, Brock, and drop that motherfucking beat. This is going to be a long-winded story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to a point in a circuitous manner. Let me just tell you about moving. Moving is... I tell you what, it's unlike anything else. It's maybe they call it one of the most stressful events in your life. And there are things that it really just doesn't matter how much money you have, that you have to do them yourself. Like, I've tried to hire these things out. I'm willing to pay whatever, not whatever, but I'm willing to pay pretty much whatever. And they just, they're just decisions that nobody but you can make. Like, your eyeballs, your brain, you know stuff, whether you need it, whether you don't, where it goes, etc. And that takes time. That takes energy. That is hard. And you have to figure out when to get the cable guy in. And you can't just, you have to figure out, like, you have to, your eye line has to be where they set up the TV. Like, all of it is, is you, you know? Even if you're Dame Lillard. Even if you make $40 million a year, some stuff you just have to do yourself. Uh, and even if you are Dame Lillard, you can hire some out, right? But what if you're Dame Lillard's cousin? What if you're Dame Lillard's nephew? Second cousin, second brother, whatever, right? All of this to say, there are a few reasons based on a new story that has come to light by Chris Haynes, my guy, the only guy on the podcast I really reference by name. All the other reporters are just random reporters. He did an interview with Dame. And now I know, based on this, Dame is never leaving Portland. Never. Two days ago, there were a couple of things in this story that gave me tremendous solace. One, Dame Lillard came out and told the world and told Chris Haynes, which then told the world, that he met with LeBron James this offseason. And LeBron James and Anthony Davis recruited him to go to the Lakers. Whoa. 
That is that is a wrinkle, right? There are some things that if you're considering them, you don't come out to the world and say happened. If he's still thinking about joining a super team, then that never comes out, right? He said, that is not my thing. I sat with them and I realized this is not for me. I could see myself in L.A., but not with Braun and not with A.D., Because once you decide to chase a ring, he said, you could be moved immediately. If things don't work out, you end up leaving the town or the city that drafted you, and then all of a sudden, you're on to another team, and then on to another team, and on to another team. I don't know, like Chris Paul, or Russell Westbrook, or Carmelo, right? So that gave me, as a Portland Trailblazer fan, quite a bit of peace, but Not as much as this. This paragraph in the Haynes article gave me almost like, I've got you. You're mine now. You know? You're mine forever now. This quote, all right, so it it turns out Lillard is from Oakland, right? Lillard is from Oakland, California. The closest destination to play basketball outside of places that already have two max stars and you can't have three outside of L.A., outside of Golden State, outside of Sacramento, which no one is going to go to, and outside of Utah, is Portland, right? So he's got tremendous family life. But he also has 30 family members who have moved from Oakland to Portland, Oregon, to live in him and with him somewhere nearby in some enclave. He has Regular barbecues with like 60 people there in Westland, Oregon, right? And they wait for him in the family and friends sec- section of the Moda Center, and they go to post-game dinners, and they roll Dame Juniors roaming the holiday the hallways of Moda Center. It's like he's at home, right? So if Dame were decide to, were to decide to leave, what do those 30 people need to do? They would all need to move, wouldn't they? They would all need to uproot their life that they have built in the last 10 years in the league that Dame's been there and find a new house and a new neighborhood and new Xfinity and Fios and box it up and travel this and that. All 30 of them. That would disrupt an entire family unit. And he knew that if he was going to leave, that that would change a reliable family dynamic that he values. How do we know he values it? Because even he and his long-term girlfriend, Kayla, who they've had some ups and downs. I know that. We all know that. He put a ring on it. This summer, he put a ring on that, and now... He's put a ring on his relationship again, reunited his vows with Portland. There's no way if Dame were to leave to Philadelphia, all 30 of those family members go to Philadelphia. No way! By the way, Philadelphia is a shithole. And if you're from the West Coast and you also, those 30 people want to be close to the other 30 people that are in Oakland, right? That whole little dynamic is very close-knit, but also close together in terms of travel time. You're not going to move six hours across the country, seven hours across the country, flight time, 
to go to some shitty place with shitty food and shitty fan base? No chance. If it was just Dame, maybe Dame's wife and kids, maybe. 30? 30 people? No chance. Box their shit. Find Xfinity. Find Files. In a flash. What if then he gets moved to Houston? What if then moves to Oklahoma City? God forbid. That is not the vibe. I knew right then. We've got him forever, folks. Not only has he said publicly he doesn't want to go to a super team, he also is not destroying that little community. He said, my family encouraged me not to make a decision based on them. Pause. And that's a lie. They, they said, we're going to be fine. But I know that they said that to be unselfish. Yes. When I was thinking about potentially leaving, I was thinking, is it really worth it to chase what all these other people are telling me I have to do or have to have? Or is it important just to do what means something to me? If there's anybody in this league that moves to the beat of their own drum, it's me. And I think people look at it like, ah, he's just taking the money. He doesn't want to win. The media is so accustomed to rocking the boat and making people move how they want them to move, and that's not going to happen with me. Basically, in this article, Dame said, I know what you fuckers do. You guys try to plant seeds, tell me I'm not going to be a legend unless I win a ring. And I know that there's a possibility I might not win a ring if I stay in Portland. And what's the only way I can ensure to win a ring? Oh, I have to join a super team, but that's against my ethos and my morals, but you're pushing me to do that. What do I do? Then you have a nervous breakdown, which you sort of had. He is 10 toes down. You know what he also said? I am going and I'm willing to go down with the ship. We got him, folks. He's willing to die for us. He's willing to stay on this Moda Center Titanic and go pew, pew, pew. Are you kidding me? My guy, Dame Lillard, also came out with a freestyle that said, not joining a super team might be my Achilles heel, but I don't care. Folks, then he goes on to say, yes, I'm sure it would be great to play with LeBron and AD and play in a big market, but as attractive as it sounded and as fun as that might be, I don't feel that in my heart that's who I am or where I belong. And the one thing I must emphasize, he says, this was not made out of comfort. I'm not afraid to go out of my comfort zone because I'm not. I'm going to live in Portland when I'm done playing. Regardless, he is going to stay in Portland for the rest of his days. My Lord, Damian Lillard is going to get a street in Oregon. In Portland, Oregon, we're going to replace Cesar Chavez Road, which used to be Martin Luther King Jr., but because there's so much crime on MLK Jr. Boulevard, they changed it to Cesar Chavez. Now they're going to change it to Dame Lillard Boulevard because you know why? Dame Lillard is never fucking leaving Portland. We've got him forever. Portland fans, look in the mirror and say this. We owe it to Dame to bring this man a ring, but you know what? If we don't, he is going to die. He's probably going to have a gravestone in Portland, Oregon. Let me just say this. The best news I could ever get as a Portland Trailblazer fan, knowing that we probably will never win a ring, is knowing that Dame Lillard will never leave us. Thank the Lord, baby Jesus. I guess that's just the motion. 
Motion, the freedom of motion. The 80s and the 90s are largely considered to be the golden era of the NBA. Magic, Bird, Jordan. It's basically the uh, basketball equivalent of what your parents used to do or your grandparents used to do where they're like, yeah. I used to walk to school in the snow with no shoes on, uphill both ways, with a lunch pail box filled with potatoes. <laughs> that's the NBA. That's the old heads in the NBA being like, listen, all these young guns, they don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like to be assaulted when you go to the rim. All they do, they get a little slap on the hand and they go to the free throw line. I tell you what, a slap in the slap in the hand was like a handshake back in my day. We only used to get gas on Wednesdays. We used to line up around the block. <laughs> the Depression era. That's like the NBA players who we grew up loving, if you're my age. Like Shaq and Penny and Charles Barkley, like, oh, these guys are so soft. Despite that guys today are in better shape. Better condition, can jump higher, run faster, stronger, earlier. People believe that played in the 90s, those guys would not be able to let survive, let alone thrive in the 90s and the 80s. Why do they believe that? Well, because of something called the freedom of movement rule. Players in the NBA today have been given more freedom to move than they had in the 80s and 90s because... Well, we, we wanted to see more offense. We, wanted, we didn't want to see 87, 91 games. So no hand checking. Shooters get a full landing area that extends multiple zip codes. <laughs> full parking spaces for you to kick out and land wherever you want. And basically a guy has to come through and then move out of the way or you get a foul call. All of us, they said it was to allow us to see the full breadth and the depth of the creativity and athleticism on display that these NBA players have in their quivers. But truthfully, it's for money. You know, it's so that it's more watchable and that the NBA can be more profitable. And it has been, right? But economists would point out, a little econ lesson for folks, is there are certain things called unintended consequences, right? You make a decision... And then things happen that you didn't exactly see coming. And that happened in this freedom of movement rule. The unintended consequences of the freedom of movement rule were this. One, all contact now favors the offense. So offensive players start initiating contact on purpose, knowing that the refs are going to call the foul on the defender because they get the benefit of the doubt, not the defender. They get to the free throw line quicker, to the bonus quicker. Defenders that are defensive-oriented players get in foul trouble earlier, so they either get fouled out or they back the fuck up and play more passive defense. They give them more room, which allows you to get more open shots, allowing points to go up and up and up. But not only did that happen, you also get guys like Trey Young, and James Harden and Steph Curry exploit these rules. 
Take advantage of these rules. Take advantage of the system. Start gaming the system. Manipulating it. Like, uh, you know, inside trading kind of a thing. Like a manipulative investor. So scoring went up every year for seven straight years. We saw record free throw attempts. We also saw the game that we love and this freedom of movement, this free-flowing offense that that was what it was intended to do become stagnant on the other side because players just started throwing their bodies into their defenders, and instead of seeing motion, we started seeing free throws only. Nobody gives a fuck about just watching these specimen be at the free throw line all day. That's not what we want. So then the NBA is like, okay, we got to step in. We got to do something about this. Enter this last offseason. The competition committee decided, probably three years too late, truthfully, that this is out of fucking hand. Like, Trey Young, you can't run and stop short like you do on the road. It, it would be like if you, as a speedy sports car, literally are speeding up and you're in a race and you slow the fuck down, you put on your brakes, the other car hits you and they're like, yo, it's your fault that you ran into this Ferrari. It's like, well, you should have saw that they were going to stop. No, that's bullshit, right? They knew this needed to be eliminated, these non-basketball moves, because that's not a basketball move. We've seen it. Steve Nash said what Trey Young's doing is not basketball, even though Harden is doing the same thing. It's just kind of funny, kind of ironic. Um, so they're like, okay, we got to unveil a plan to eliminate these rules stemming from this player launching themselves into a defender. This guy, Monty McClutchin of the NBA VP of Referee Development, said this. The reason behind it was we want to balance out the ability of a defensive player to compete with passion with an offensive player who can also compete with passion. (laughs) What a wild, non-scientific explanation behind it. And when we find that balance, good competition is the result. They don't want to favor either side too much, right? 80s, 90s, too much defense. Uh, favored, uh, 2010s, too much offense. And now star players are fucked. They are so mad. Players are livid. Dame, Steph, Harden, Trey, all of them chucking. All of them brick city. Right? Just tough. Tough, tough. Players who relied on the line, going to the line like 10, 15 times a game like James Harden, have seen their attempts as a result right like unders are hitting they're decreasing like 50 percent in some cases and now star players are having to adjust and they are shrugs strug street baby trey dame booker pg all off to uncharacteristically slow starts remember i said the other day what the fuck is up with dame yeah, he can't literally launch his body into people anymore and become Logo Lillard. Guys can just get up into his body and then, you know, free throw attempts way down, points way down. Scoring now as a result of this rule change is at its lowest level on average since 2014. Woo! It's been seven years since we've seen points scored this low. But the good news for folks I guess, it might be good, might be bad, that the NBA might not even be done tweaking the rules as it concerns transition. They're now, I didn't even know this was a, a, they had an actual word for it. They're called take fouls. The free, you know, the clear path foul. They're called take fouls. So the competition committee encouraged the league office 
to now develop a new rule change that would basically eliminate this going forward. All of this for freedom of movement that made the game so exciting without allowing the thuggery of the bad boy Pistons. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. I think from a betting perspective, you're going to need to take the unders on all of those little chuckers. Take the unders on Dame. Take the unders on Harden. I got burned on that. Take the unders on Trey. Take the unders on Steph. And for other players like DeMar DeRozan and and Rashawn Holmes, guys who can actually play through contact because they are built ready to play in the 80s and 90s, the rule changes are actually allowing them to thrive. And for others, like I said, like Dame, like Trey, like Harden, sink or swim, baby. Because these rule changes, I hate to say, are here to stay. City bitch, rack, rack, city bitch, rack, city bitch, rack, rack, city bitch, rack, city bitch, rack, rack, city bitch. Remember how hard it was for players to adjust to FIBA? Like, I don't think I saw, I don't think I saw Dame make a three-pointer in the Olympics until, like, the gold medal game. Like, Jason Tatum was, like, these guys looked awful, right? Obviously, we like we just talked about, these rule changes in FIBA are very similar to these new rule changes. That was one reason. Another reason, though, was the ball. The ball, article after article. What's up with these new spongy balls? These weird colored, weird seam balls, right? So imagine if you took FIBA rules which we're now seeing, uh, some of them at least, as it relates to foul calls. And then you added a FIBA ball, janky-ass FIBA ball, and forced it upon the NBA. You would fucking hate to see that, except for that is what's happening right now. That is where we're at. New rules, new ball, brick city, bitch, brick brick city, bitch, 10, 10, 10, 10, (laughs) and let's face it. The first part of the NBA season has seen great shooters like Dame, Trey, do nothing but clank. And you can't really figure out why. Is it the ball? Is it the rule changes? I don't know. Offense is down five points per game on average this year. The lowest total, like I said earlier, since 2014. The Harden rule is a part of it. These guys have gone from shooting 10 free throws a game to five free throws a game. I'm sure that's a part of it. But I did say last year, the basketball is going to be a problem. Trying to play, I, I like the Wilson ball. I like the Wilson Evolution ball. But I grew up on the Wilson Evolution ball because, truthfully, my poor ass couldn't afford a real leather basketball. So the spongy sort of composite element of the Evolution was sort of like great. Indoor balls versus some rubber, weird Nike ball that I use on double rims and metal nets and shit. But, like, I'm not a basketball player, right? Like, I'm not an NBA basketball player. I'm not used to Spalding. And now these guys are having to adjust. Let's refresh what I said. Spalding has been an official basketball of the NBA since 1984. I mean, that was Michael Jordan's rookie year. The ball has been the same since Michael Jordan's rookie year. Three generations of stars have only known that type of ball. 
And this year, for some fucking weird reason, Adam Silver doing new things. He's instituting new rules just because he just wants to do it. He's like, ah, you know, like, like playing tournament. <laughs> All the guys play on the same like exact minute, just like European soccer. We're gonna like have them not be able to know who's in, who's out. It's gonna be awesome. Like EPL is so cool. Let's do EPL things. That's what he's doing now. Okay, like we're gonna do a mid-season tournament, just like the EPL. We're gonna institute some new balls. So he inked a deal this off season with Wilson for the 75th anniversary. Like, not a great time to start changing things up when we're talking about lists and how everyone is stacking up and these new rule changes, but okay, put a new ball into the mix too. So what's the problem with that? Well, Paul George has is one of the players, is one of the greater shooters in the NBA, and he has a massive problem. This is what he says. In a post-game presser, PG said, he did not want to use the Wilson ball as an excuse of why no one's making shots. Oh, the Cavs did hold the Clips to 79 points in that game. But he basically said, yeah, hey, um, this ball fucking sucks. Like, this, this ball, no one likes this ball. Uh, this is the ball. The Wilson is a different basketball, he said. It doesn't have the same touch. It doesn't have the same softness that the Spalding ball has had. Wait, wait, wait. So, so the ball is uh, has a different touch, has a different softness, comes off the rim different, comes off the floor different. But we're just gonna like add that and the rule change into the mix and like not expect things to change. This is a rut row moment, folks. <laughs> this is a rut, rut row, Scooby, rut row. Spalding balls are made from full grain horween leather. Which makes them, yeah, I know, this, we're going to get a little bit into the details of this little nerding, nerdy shit. Horween leather, which makes them almost impossible to break in unless you're playing 82 games a year. Like, they are awful when you first get them. But they are butter soft once they're broken in. Like a nice leather jacket, you know? Like you need 10 years. They are using balls probably still from 1984. They're probably using those same balls because that's how long it takes to break them in. Players, though, love broken in leather. Of course. Of course they do. On the other hand, Wilson balls, like I said, are cheaper, traditionally manufactured with EVO microfiber composite materials to provide a consistent feel from day one. We are in science class, folks. This makes Wilson balls tacky. So they have like a, a good grip due to wicking away the outer layer, which is a great ball from, st they, they wear out faster. Let's just, and they're spongier. They're just like a, a weird, Spalding balls are like very firm and then they sort of soften. And then the Wilson balls are always soft, but kind of spongy. There is, this is the reason that Kevin Durant tweeted this out when they announced the change. He tweeted out, oh, hell no, when Shams broke the news. How do we know that he uh, likes that? Spalding ball? Well, he shot 45% from three with the Spalding. This year through eight games, he's shooting 37% from three with the Wilson. That is not just a slight difference. That is a, uh, what we would call a statistical and not like three standard deviations out in terms of, oh yeah, this is a fucking problem. We might need to go back to this balding ball ASAP Rocky. 
Wilson says they tried to emulate the Spalding ball. It's a lie. They said that they utilized the same leather, but it's not the same. It is not the same. Multiple people have said that the Wilson grooves are longer, supposedly for a firmer grip. But how do we know that it's a problem? Well, Shams reported this. NBA informed teams today that the competition committee is unanimously supportive of the league's new rules, officiating non-basketball moves, and the new Wilson game ball was also discussed with the league and players working directly with Wilson to adjust as appropriate, which means this ball is fucked up, right? We all know what you see. We're seeing it. We know that it's not the non-basketball moves. It's the ball. You don't discuss a ball. Unless there's something wrong, right? Unless it's a problem. Devin Booker is clunking away, and he is a bucket. He's shooting 28% right now from three and said the Wilson ball feels different ball to ball. Uh Uh-oh, no, that's not what you – listen, you can't have the balls not be consistent from court to court. This isn't fucking high school here. This isn't the random like, oh, we're going to go up to Rucker today and use, you know, Tommy's ball for game one and JoJo's ball for game two and three. And then I'll bring my own ball. Like whoever wins the game gets to bring their own ball. The game is fucked up. Something's something's going on here. The current NBA three-point percentage right now is 34.2%. That is the lowest since 1998-1999. The whole league as a whole is shooting 44%, which is the lowest since 2004. But, yeah, it's not the ball, right? It's not wink, 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 wink. I don't care what the NBA is trying to peddle. They need to fix this fucking fast. And they just put whatever they use in five serve forum to make opponents airball threes all day into NBA arenas. I don't think that that's what it is. I don't think it's just like some anomaly in the humidity of the arena. It is the ball. It is the ball, and it's probably the rule change. It's probably some combination of both until you figure out they need to get rid of one of these things and then figure out what's happening. I'm, I assume that if the Wilson probably paid them a lot of money, right? They did. They're not going to be able to go back to Spalding. But they should really just do, they should just hire Spalding and then put the name Wilson on it. That's really what they should do. It's going to be Brick City for sure until Dame and Beal and Trey get used to it. And the harsh truth is that it's worse for the game when they have it in. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We will be back Monday evening. Please do not miss it. Do not forget to give us a follow at at Trista Cricket at This League on TikTok. Download, subscribe. Please give us a rating. We need ratings. Listen, there are people from my old job still giving me bad ratings on Spotify and Apple. They're just trolls. So give me a five star to boost this thing up. All right. We'll see you Monday, folks. I need my money pronto. Get it in the morning like Alonzo. Rondo. Green got cheese like a nacho. If you ain't got no ass, bitch, wear a poncho. Head honcho. Got my seat back. Nick staring at me. Don't get back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.